series of lessons through the book of James. And so how many of you how many of you were reading a little bit of James this week? A few of you? Two of you? <laughs> That's fine. It's a short book, so you can get caught up uh, with that. My encouragement to you was to be reading it every week. It's only five chapters. Um, you're welcome to, to read through it, and I think it will really help. Today, we're actually only going to be focusing in on two verses, uh, and it's probably the hardest two verses of the whole book, uh, these one these one. Uh, verses, this one section that we're going to try and cover today um, is one that you are familiar with, maybe, if you've been a Christian for a while. If you haven't been a Christian, uh, you're going to be surprised by what God expects of us as his people. Um, again, the book of James is a very practical book. Uh, James, when he writes this letter, doesn't mince any words. He gets right to the point. And uh, Someone said to me this week, it says, well, Rob, why didn't he say goodbye at the end of the book? Why didn't he say, like, good job, guys? Or, you know, I think it was Nate we were talking about at the end of the book. And I said, look, James doesn't mess around, right? He tells it like it is, and he expects us to kind of learn it. That's why it's one of my favorite books. It doesn't, there's no frou-frou about James, okay? Uh, matter of fact, this particular passage, he gets straight into uh, this really, really difficult passage in James 1, verses 2 through 4. And it is on your, your application there if you want to look, or in your if you actually brought a real Bible today. Who brought a real Bible today? Anybody? <laughs> Joel's the only one. All right, good job, Joel. <laughs> um, I want to read it for you, and then we're going to kind of unpack it a little bit. Okay? It says, James 1, 2 to 4, uh, Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance, and let all endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Consider it all joy when you encounter various trials. Um, okay, James. All right. Uh, have you ever been through a trial, James? Uh, it's not all that fun. And it's certainly not some of those things that we want to be happy about when we're going through them. Um, but rather than concentrate on the trials part as we start, let's try. Let's let's concentrate on the joy part first. Uh, share with me anybody who. What's the the single biggest time in your life where you felt joy? What was the time? Okay, we have a we have a winner. Twenty points. Meeting your sponsor child in Africa yeah. just recently? Yeah. All right. Yeah. I w do I have a picture of you, your face? I don't think I, I was away when you shared. I'd love to see a picture of your face. Yeah. Yeah. Show, show that to me later. Who else? What else? Giving birth? Really? <laughs> okay. <laughs> I was going to say there might be some women in here that might disagree with that. <laughs> at the end, at the end, joy, pure joy, right? Yeah. What were you gonna say, Ruth? Janice, pure joy. And you have your kids. Who else? Just one, one. Getting married. Becoming a Christian. 
Okay. Yeah. You only get one, Sue. Sorry. <laughs> That's all good. Who, who else? Yes. When you met your best friend. You're very joyful. Good. What else? Anybody else? That one moment. You get. You already said one. <laughs> What's your other one? When, huh? Yes, that's very, very special when your kids come to know Jesus. That's that's really great. Lots of joy there. What else? When you got here. Tim's here as an intern with us, so I'm glad you you're feeling like this is a joyous thing to be here. I must not. I'm, I have to work him harder. He's feeling that much joy. <laughs> No. Um, that's great. Anybody else? Now think about think about that feeling that you felt in all of those instances. I'm sure those of you who didn't say anything, you already have something in mind or you're, you're kind of mulling it over. Think about that, that feeling, that moment of joy. Would you ever feel that when you're going through something really, really tough? Not usually. Normally, we would never feel those same. Matter of fact, sometimes when we feel joy, what happens? A wash of something comes over our bodies and we start feeling tingly, right? Sometimes the hairs on the back of your neck stand up. Sometimes It's a physical response, joy. It's not just something you've, you feel in your heart and you know in your mind, but it's, it's something that washes over us when we are feeling that joy. I remember like it was yesterday when Katie was born. We had gone through several miscarriages. We wanted a child desperately. We had two boys already. It had been 10 years since Lynn had had a baby. And we were going through all kinds of difficulty having children. And then uh, when Lynn was pregnant, we thought, oh, she really wanted a girl. But we just want someone. We just want a healthy baby, right? Uh, but when she came out and Lynn said, I, who, is it a boy or a girl? And I said, it's a little girl. It's our princess. And that wash of joy just was a, an amazing feeling. As a pastor, it's really hard for me to think that I could feel that way when I'm going through something that's really, really hard. But that's exactly what today's verses are telling us. That God wants us to consider it a joy. A joy. And that's not some other definition of joy. It's the same kind of joy that you feel when that special thing happens in your life. He wants us to feel that kind of wash of emotion when we're going through really difficult things. That is hard. That is really, really hard. The world, when it looks at trials and suffering, the world says that we should approach it with great pain and great sadness and, and even depression and get discouraged. Um, the world doesn't consider trials a joy, but yet God wants us to look at things differently than the world wants to look at it. Earthly wisdom looks at the now. 
It looks at what's happening to me now, and it defines our life according to the circumstances that we're going through. That's the way the world looks at things, and it's very normal. If, my, if I'm going through something bad right now, my life is bad, right? That's the, that's the way the world defines it. If I'm going through something that's, that's really, really tough and is giving me great pain and sadness, then my life is full of pain and sadness, right? God is asking you to look at it differently. And that's exactly how James puts it in the letter. He starts with these, let's look at some terms that he uses in this passage and, and kind of break them down a little bit. First of all, he uses the word consider. Now, this whole word consider, James is really calling for us to what? He wants us to, yeah, he wants us to think about it. Consider this. That's how we would use it, right? Um, I know you're going through this, but consider this. Sometimes we say it when we're asking people to, to look at things in a different way or think of things differently. That's exactly how James is using it. He's saying, consider, consider this, think about it. In other words, view it differently. See it from a different perspective. Maybe focus on something different than what you're focusing on now. Think harder is maybe what he's thinking when he's saying consider. Um, when things are hard and hard times come, put your feelings and your immediate reactions, put them to the side first and stop and consider what's actually happening. Um, but, you know, that is really, really hard to do, but what he's asking us is to think about things a little bit differently. Don't be subjected to your immediate reactions. And I got to tell you, I work, with, I work with kids kindergarten through six. All I see all day long is kids reacting to things. And that's, that's what they do. And unless somebody sits those kids down and says, Rather than reacting when someone shoves you on the, on the uh, soccer field, why don't you consider <laughs> doing something different? Why don't you consider doing something different, thinking about it differently? That's, this, is, this verse is my life. I, I, I live this every single day. I'm asking kids to consider something bad that's happened to them, think about it differently. But many times they have a really hard time with it. Um, even us as adults, we have a really difficult time setting aside our feelings and looking at it. We would say, don't emote first. What does that mean? What's that? Don't react, or even more importantly, don't, don't feel first. Set your emotions and feelings aside for a second and think through what's actually happening. You could avoid a few things. You can avoid a few things. Uh, this could be uh, good for your kids to sit them down. A lot of the kids I work with every day, uh, they are not being taught this kind of thinking and consideration. Okay, it could be good for kids to learn how to do this. It builds within them strength and resilience to be able to handle things when, when all everything around them is going wrong. It helps them to think through the process of what's what's happening and be able to consider it. Um, he uses this 
he uses this phrase, great joy. He says, consider it a great joy to go through these really, really difficult things. James here is using the word joy. Joy doesn't mean no pain or grief. A lot of times that, that's how we define it in our world. We are only happy when what? Yeah, when everything's good. Oh, I'm finally happy because my life is going well. That's not the joy that we're talking about here. Uh, the joy that James uses, this idea of great joy, is this idea of bad things are going to happen, but we react to those things in a different way. Second uh, Corinthians 6, 8 to 10 says, We are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown and yet well known, as dying and behold we live, as punished and yet not killed, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing. That's how he pictures a person who follows Christ, a person who follows Jesus. Sorrowful yet always rejoicing. In other words, it is possible to be both. It is possible to go through something that's really, really tough and be upset by it, but always have this, this underlying feeling of, but I know God is with me and I'm, I'm joyous and happy about that. Um, that's how we define this great joy. Uh, joy and happiness are pretty much the same thing. The world has defined them differently. In God's eyes, joy is true happiness. This feeling of being able to get through things uh, and and be okay with it just, and have, have the feeling of joy and happiness regardless. Uh, the world, however, when it sees joy and happiness... Uh, they define it as based on the circumstances that you're in. Again, if my life is going well, then I can feel joy. If, if we accept the world's version of joy and happiness, did you know there's some people in the world that would never be happy? Because they're always going to be going through something difficult. There are people in other countries that will live their whole life hungry, naked, poor, without housing. And yet, I've been to some places that have been really, really poor, and I, I know some of you have as well. Some of those people are the happiest people I've ever seen. How do you explain that? Well, you explain it is because they are not, they are living under a different definition of happiness and joy. They live under a different definition of what it means to be joyous and happy. I say, why don't we look at how they define it? Even though they, they have to walk for miles and miles for water, some of them don't have any clothes. They, they're wearing the same clothes as they've had for, for 15, 20 years. Sometimes we have to have a new outfit every month. So our definition of joy needs to be adjusted. Joy and happiness do not do not depend on the circumstances that we are in. Joy is independent of the trial itself. So when trials come, how do we get through them? How do we feel that joy? We all have various trials, all shapes and size and colors. Um, a trial means just a difficult thing that's happening in your life. Maybe you're going through something right now. 
in your life that's really, really hard or really difficult. It could be a health-related issue. It could be a relationship issue. It could be uh, something that is beyond your control at work. I don't know how many people I talk to that are struggling with their jobs and with the, the things that are going on around them, things that they can't control. Um, and yet it's just bringing them down, bringing them into a, a state of, of sadness and depression and, and feeling like I'm, I'm just overrun with, with negative things in my life. Uh, we have to learn how to do this um, well, or it's going to affect the rest of our lives and how we live. If we get this verse right, um, it will make for a much more uh, pleasant and wonderful life here on this earth. Um, so I'm going to give you three things, three reasons. Three reasons we have in our text, in our verses, to consider our trials a great joy. First of all, it's because we know that the trials produce within us endurance. And that's found in verse 3. Uh, if you want to look in your uh, uh, James 2.3. Consider it all joy, my brothers, when you encounter various trials, for they will what? What's the verse say? That's right. Because they will produce endurance. And you already know this. It's just that the knowledge isn't functional in your life yet. You already know that when you go through things, it makes you stronger, right? We all know that. We've seen it. It's just sometimes we haven't, we just don't put it into practice in our lives. It's not functional yet. Um, so it's just like physical training, right? We have to get uh, to the point in our lives where we practice this over and over and over again, and it becomes a part of our life that we know it's producing with us endurance. And some trials, you could go, oh, man, I've, it may be a temporary thing that lasts a couple of days. And you think, oh, okay, I know I'm going to get through this because it what? It's going to produce endurance in me. I'm going to be able to be better at it next time that this happens. And so the more we do that, it's just like physical training. It's an exercise, and we get better at it, and we get better at it. Trials, trials are exercises for developing muscles and strength in our spirit, just like physical exercise is developing muscles and strength in your body, right? Have you, how many of you have ever uh, gone out there and you're out there doing something new physically and every muscle in your body hurts the next day? Yeah? Yeah? You haven't, maybe you haven't done it for a while or maybe uh, you haven't done it ever and uh, you go out and do it for the first time, everything's hurting. Right, and you think, "Why? I didn't even know I had a muscle in that part of my body." But there is, and there it is. I can feel it today. Um, that's the same thing. But you get up and you do it again, and you know, a couple of weeks go by, and you get less and less sore, and a, a couple more weeks go by, and guess what? You are powering it. Right? You're you're out there, and you're doing more than you ever thought that you would do. Okay. This idea of producing endurance spiritually in our life is the same thing. The more we do it, it hurts. It really hurts in the beginning. But the more you do it, the better you get at it. And the more you do it, uh, the, less, the less you begin to hurt. 
through the process. And the more God can heal you and he can, he can guide you through that trial. And sometimes, you, you know, have you ever physically trained to the point where you actually enjoy now going and working out? Yeah. You do reach that point <laughs> someday. <laughs> That's how it is with our spiritual muscles when we start uh, creating this idea of being joyous it's not that we love going through trials, but it's that we're ready to go through a trial. Whereas before, it would have blindsided us and sent us uh, spiraling out of control. The more we get, the better we get at this, the more it produces endurance so that we can actually get through it. And we aren't blindsided by it. That's really, really important. Trials grow our trust and our faith in God. Because he's, we see his trustworthiness, we see how he guides us and helps us through those trials. Over and over again in the Bible, it talks about um, people who follow God who are learning this endurance. Right? Can you name a Bible character that had to learn this kind of endurance? Huh? Joseph. Joseph. Over and over in his life, he was disappointed uh, with his his uh, uh, conditions of his life, right? Every time he thought he was going to go forward, he went back. And so he was constantly learning this, this idea of endurance. Yeah. Paul, I've learned to live with a lot and I've learned to live with nothing. I've, I've been beaten. I've been stoned. I've been, uh, I've been, go I've gone through, uh, Terrible things, you know, in my life, over and over again. But yet, he said, he counts it all joy, my brethren. He counted it as a, as a joy. He even he even says in, in one of his uh, letters, he says, I counted a joy to be going through the sufferings as Christ suffered. He had it. Like, he got this. He got this idea of producing endurance within him. It, that it built within him strength, that building up of strength uh, of his spiritual muscles. Trials, um, they either make you bitter or better. There's the only two choices. They either make you worse or they make you better. And it's really your choice on how you do that. But it's really... It's really good if you keep in your mind this idea that endurance, it's building within me endurance, and it's, it's good for me. Um, and in the long run, it's going to be good. But endurance isn't necessarily good enough by itself. It has to progress to something else. Um, it has to produce something else. So in verse 4, what's it say? It also, endurance, leads to maturity and completeness, right? And that's in verse 4 of our text where it says that, and let endurance have its perfect result so that you may be perfect, complete, lacking in nothing. So this idea, uh, number two, is let endurance have its result as it leads to a work of maturity and completeness in your life. You have to allow endurance to complete its work 
in you. Endurance works maturity and works towards maturity and completeness. You try and get the full benefit of endurance and not only some. In other words, we're not going to cut it short. Um, we want to let that endurance have its work within us. Uh, maturity and completeness almost appears to say that we lack nothing, right? It even uses the word in my passage, it says the word, the P word. Perfect. I know we don't talk about per perfection very much in, in, in our lives because we're always like, oh, I'm not perfect. You know, we always say that. That's that's the thing. I'm only human. You hear that all the time. I'm not perfect. I can't do it, you know. But the idea here is that we are striving towards something that's better than we were before, right? We're not using I'm not perfect as an excuse to not be perfect, <laughs> which is what we normally do, right? Isn't that right? We always say that. Well, you know, I'm not perfect, so that gives me an excuse to go out and not be perfect, right? That doesn't make any sense, does it? We want to strive towards that perfection. You know, if you strive towards perfection and you won't achieve it, right? But you're closer than you would have been if you were just using it as an excuse, right? So we want to strive towards being uh, mature and complete, lacking in nothing. It's like when a coach looks across his lineup of players and he sees these, say, 15 players that are out in front of him and he sees... A couple of them, and when he looks at them, he's saying, they're ready. You know? It's like those coaches that are coaching the lower levels, and they're in charge of upgrading them to a, a higher grade. When they're looking at their players, they know that all 15 of them aren't going to be ready. Right? But then when they look at them, they know that there's two or three that might be. And they go, yeah, they're maturing quite well. Right? They are almost ready. They're almost perfect. Right? That's the idea that we're talking about here. Certainly, we, we as God looks over his kind of team, we don't want to be the guy that's sitting in the corner sucking on a water bottle, not even out on the field. Do we? Mumbling, I'm not perfect. I'm only human. Right? We want to be the, the, the guys and gals that are out there on the field you know, doing the very best that we can. And when he looks across, he goes, yeah, that Lynn, that Lynn Swan Branham, she's about ready. I can tell. She's close. Do you see what I'm saying here? We have to be striving towards that, that goal of being mature and being complete. We do that, and God's going to pick us. God's going to pick us, and he's got great plans for us to be able to get through our trials and be an example and be an, have an impact in this world, in our community, um, and it's going to be great. But we have to, we have to uh, take that step of, of wanting that uh, maturity and completeness as a part of our life. God will take you where you wouldn't go to produce in you what you couldn't accomplish. And he can only do that if you're willing to take those steps towards him. You want me to read that again? God will take you where you wouldn't go to produce in you what you couldn't accomplish on your own. That's striving towards this maturity 
and completeness. How does it work? What does it mean to allow endurance to do its complete work, to joyfully let God shape your mind? He needs to be able to shape your feelings and your habits and your desires. Allow Him to dictate your feelings. You know, I said earlier, emote. We need to set aside our emotions. Mainly, I said that because most of the time our emotions are all about who? Us. But when you're feeling the proper godly emotions, when you allow Him to shape your mind and your feelings, you allow Him to shape your desires and your habits, when that's in, in truth, then your emotions and your body all become one neat package together. How God can use you. That's a wonderful thing. That's called maturity. That's called being complete when you allow God to affect every part of your life. So how does it work? You have to define your, all areas of your life as God would define them. And you can do that. The Bible teaches us and tells us all about how uh, God can, can refine and, and shape our lives into the kind of life that he wants. So the way you mature is by knowing the trial's purpose and ending it with as much joy as you can, preparing for the next trial to come. Because guess what? Another trial will come. Uh, he doesn't, uh, God doesn't plan or promise uh, that we will live a life without trials. Matter of fact, he promises that you will. What he does promise is that if you get this down in your life on how to handle these trials, um, it's going to produce in you um, just some wonderful fruit that you'll be able to get through them. Um, lastly, we'll finish up here. Uh, because the value of maturity is greater than the value of the absence of trial. We have to get to that point in our lives where we value being complete and mature more than we value the absence of trials. Because our goal mainly in life is to, you know, if, if we're not thinking about how God will impact our life or we're not thinking about how God uh, interacts with us, the basic person out there, the, the, the everyday person, the Aussie on the street, what are they trying to do with their life? They're just trying to be happy and avoid as much pain as possible, Right? That's their goal. I just want to not have to go through any consequences of my actions. <laughs> I just want to not have to feel pain and suffering. Um, that's why in Australia, when we find when someone passes away, there's a lot of pain and suffering involved. Matter of fact, we feel jilted and we feel bad about it. And I don't know how many times people have come to Lynn and I and said, we... This person died. They didn't deserve to die. They, they should have been able to live longer. Why does God do this? And unfortunately, all I can think to say is 100% of people die. We all have to go through it. There's only one person who avoided it. But he still had to go through it. Right? Jesus himself, he experienced the pain of death and the sorrow. His mother wept as they took his body down off the cross. 
he experienced death and we are going to have to experience it as well but wouldn't you want to experience that and go through that with your loved ones and your family right beside you knowing that you're mature and complete spiritually able to handle it spiritually ready now i don't you know my wife's a nurse and i'm sure farzam can tell you as well sears allison they're in the health profession there is a notable difference between a room where a christian dies and a room where a non-christian dies there's a you can feel it i've been to enough bedsides where people have passed away and i've been there with the family and i you can feel the difference there's an atmosphere in the room there's an atmosphere of fear and hopelessness and dread in those rooms where people die who don't don't know jesus but when you walk into a, a room where a person knows jesus there is something different in there there's hope there's a there's a completeness about that room and that's what we want people to figure out that there's value in that maturity of being spiritually mature and complete there's more value in that than there is of just avoiding trial that's this last point we have to get to that point in our life where there's more value in being spiritually complete and mature than there is in just avoiding the trial does that make sense i hope it does because that is a valuable lesson for us to learn it comes to it comes down to what you value the joy of trial is like the joy of getting one's teeth drilled <laughs> right we get to the dentist and we we just love it right how many of you love that yeah brett's brett's a masochist right all right <laughs> or it's like that going under the knife in surgery people have a real big fear of that um it's the nastiest tasting medicine that we could take going through trial so it's something we need to consider how are we going to do it how are we going to do it two people can count the opposite thing joy in the exact same situation it's interesting uh so like a player uh, kobe bryant everybody know kobe bryant yeah this this illustration is just for you All right kobe bryant famous basketball player uh he achieved so many wonderful things in the nba um and he wanted to be the best player that he can be matter of fact he gave up a lot of things that we might think are really really important to be the best uh, matter of fact he gave up his wife he gave up his relationship with a woman who he loved to be the best in the nba um he other nba players they achieved not as much fame and not as much uh, prestige and yet they held on to some of the things that they felt like would bring them joy not i guess the point is not everyone values the same things in life um people rejoice in different things and people are willing to go through painful circumstances so that they so that they'd rather not go through to have them 
to have what they deem as more valuable than avoiding the pain altogether. So it it's really comes down to what you value. If you value just getting by in life and avoiding as many trials as you can, you can try that. But sometimes things come on us that we can't avoid. You know, there are things, trials, that things that, that come on us that we can't avoid. Um, so what's great about maturity and being complete is it means that those things don't bother us nearly as much. And even to the point where we might be able to feel uh, like we're ready, like we're complete. Even that we might even be able to feel joy in knowing that we're ready for a trial that comes into our lives. So we, in that way, can be like Jesus. Jesus showed us the way, right, at the cross. He went to the cross. He defeated death. He entered into eternal life. And he had a meaningful life here on earth. All those things. But, he, but did he have trials? All the time. But yet, all the time, he knew that he was ready to go through those trials and that he felt even joy going through those things for us. Is there anything we want more than to know deeply or commune with him or enjoy the love of our Father? Is there anything more that we want more than that? Well, I would say that, yes, probably today there is. But we want to grow towards the point where that isn't true, where we want more than anything to commune with God. We want more than anything to be with Him. We want to be like Paul. I mean, Allison mentioned Paul, that he is a great example of this. Paul wrote in Philippians, For me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. That's, that's really a, a, encapsulates this idea of him being spiritually mature and complete, lacking in nothing. He had come to the point in his life where he realized, if I have to live here, that's great, because I get to share Jesus with more people. But if I have to go, I'm going. And I'm going to be just as happy, get this, I'm going to be just as happy either way. That's where consider it all joy, my brethren, comes into place. We want to get to that point, and I'm not sure that many of us are at that point today, but we certainly want to take that first step. What would that first step look like for you? Maybe, maybe starting to talk about that with God. Maybe asking Him to show us areas of our life that we can adjust and change. Maybe thinking about things differently, allowing God to infiltrate areas of our life where we've not allowed him before. I'll leave that to you. Um, I've put in your uh, app down the bottom, I've put a couple of questions down there that, that might begin that thought process for you and maybe help as you kind of work through this. Um, James, again, doesn't pull any punches. He... Uh, he tells it like it is right from the verse 2 of his letter. Consider it all joy, my brethren, when you encounter various trials. For I know that through those trials it will produce within you endurance. And that endurance will have its perfect result in you. Making you mature and complete. Perfect. Lacking in nothing. Does that sound like something you would want? 
Yeah, I think so. So let's begin that process. You got a got a week until we talk about something else. <laughs> got a week to work that out. All right, uh, it's a it is a lifelong process, but allow that process to begin in your life. The next trial that happens, maybe it's the one that you're going through right now. Begin the process of becoming spiritually mature, having that endurance lead you to maturity and completeness. Um, it's exciting. I'm much better than I used to be, and hopefully next year I'll be even better than I am right now. It's a process. And so hopefully we can be in that together um, as we uh, move forward in our relationship with God. So thank you, James, uh, for uh, making us think today, and, and thank you for, uh, for God opening our hearts to be able to be, process a few of these things uh, today and also this week. Um, so I pray that God is uh, leading you this week. I pray that you'll allow him to, uh, um, to lead you. Don't miss out on those wonderful blessings. Be looking for how he's working in your life. Uh, we're going to have some morning tea. So I'll pray and then we'll uh, dismiss for that. Hey, God, thank you for today. Uh, thank you for James who encourages us. Uh, thank you for his frankness um, and ability to weed through uh, some of the things that uh, are really difficult for us. Um, we ask that you lead us this week. Help us to be thinking about how we could be more complete, that we could start building some endurance in our life, uh, that, it's, it's, that our lives will become more than just avoiding the bad things, but help us to re embrace those things, to feel joy, to feel ready for those things when they happen. And to, uh, to come to that place in our life, Lord, like Paul, where we, we are okay here and we're just as happy here as we are with you in your presence. Um, guide us, Lord, and lead us. It's in Jesus' name we pray.